Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to Cashflow Guys Podcast. We are back this week. I'm going to talk about why most wholesalers fail and more importantly, how to avoid it. Now, you've heard me make fun of wholesalers a lot. I make fun of wholesalers probably as much as I make fun of realtors. And I got to tell you, that's because I see some silly things going on in the marketplace. I want to talk to you about wholesalers this week because I get constant reminders every time I open my email inbox of the the things that I see de- that are that could be done better, ways to improve, ways to help people that are out there trying to earn a buck uh, make a living. In other words, this uh, applies to both buyers and sellers and the people in between. Now, a lot of times we talk about wholesalers in a negative light, and I don't want this episode to be taken in a negative manner. Now, granted, I'm going to be talking about a lot of things in a lot of ways that wholesalers can improve. And I'm going to throw realtors in the mix because honestly, a lot of realtors make this very same mistakes. So I want to point out these mistakes and from a concept of, or from the, the context of solving the problem at the end of the day, we're all problem solvers, right? We should be out solving problems. If we're not solving problems, then we need to just take a step back and realize uh, what we're not doing, what we could be doing better, and then take action towards getting to where we need to be. So in this episode, I want to talk about wholesalers and realtors, as I, as I said. I'm going to kick off with a wholesaler's job. And honestly, what is a wholesaler's job? A lot of people, I bet if you ask a lot of wholesalers, they really don't know. You know, in some cases, they're going, well, I don't know. I, they told me that I needed to wholesale before I could buy property to keep. Or they told me I could wholesale to make money so that I could flip houses. And then I flip houses. And then someday I'll become a landlord. And I'm going to start out with, they lied to you. Ladies and gentlemen, they lied to you. You don't have to start out as a wholesaler. You don't ever have to be a wholesaler. Wholesaling, ladies and gentlemen, is an exit strategy. It's not an investor identity. And unfortunately, we tend to make this into an identity. I am a wholesaler. I don't agree with that logic. I don't agree with it at all. You are not a wholesaler. Okay, you're not a wholesaler. You're 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 a real estate investor that has a property that doesn't meet your criteria. Because if you are actually identifying yourself as a wholesaler, that tells me you're not really taking any sort of an investment approach towards what you're doing. You've already decided that every property you come across and does not meet your criteria. And therefore you're just going to go out and negotiate deals for other people. Now a wholesaler should be truly a skilled negotiator. And I know a lot of you are going, well, Tyler, you know, my, who somebody told me, whoever told me that, I need to use wholesaling as a way to get better. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. Uh, It it helps. It does. It's a way for you to not have to invest a lot of capital. 
And yes, for marketing, you're probably going to have to invest some capital because that's what most of the gurus tell you. Go out and buy a big fat mailing list. I'm sure they'll sell you one. They'll probably also sell you the super duper fancy dancy postcard that's guaranteed to work in every circumstance, right? That no matter what, we'll get the job done. And that'll be another $5,000. You spend all this money and then the phone rings. And what do you do? You stare at the phone and you're thinking, I can't believe somebody's calling me. And well, what do I do? And what if they get mad at me? And what if I don't know all the answers to the questions? And you start to sweat. And then, you know, your eye starts to twitch a little bit. And then you don't answer the phone and the voicemail gets it. Well, now you have to decide, I spent all this money on leads. I want to call them back because I'm supposed to, but I'm scared and I don't know what to do and what's going to happen. These are natural things, folks. So let's back up a little bit and talk about what our job is, okay? As a wholesaler, a wholesaler, somebody that's that's taking wholesale properties or wholesaling a property, I'm going to not really, I'm going to use the word wholesalers, although I don't like that term because it's really what I have to work with at the moment. To be perfectly honest with you. But a wholesaler's job is to negotiate discounted real estate purchases for buyers, okay, from motivated sellers. I don't want to forget that, from motivated sellers. A wholesaler's job is not to club a seller over the head that has a pretty house and has no problems. It's not to go in and make lowball offers on MLS properties where the seller is really not very motivated. They simply just want top dollar for their house. That's not where wholesalers belong. That's not a wholesale opportunity unless there's some sort of extenuating circumstance that maybe motivates the seller to sell at a discount. So don't just go in and making lowball offers on any house that exists, first of all. That's, that doesn't make good sense. It's a waste of your time. And if you want to get good at rejection, that's a great way to do it right there because you're going to get a lot of rejection. So for this to all work, for this to be possible, a wholesaler must be seller direct. I'm going to say that again. Must be seller direct. If you are not seller direct, you are wasting your time, the buyer's time, everybody on the Facebook group that you just posted that lousy um, quote-unquote deal in, their time too. You've got to be direct, which means if you are working through a realtor, you are not seller direct. You cannot be effective in getting to the seller's pain, in my opinion, if you have to go through a series of people a series of gatekeepers, nothing wrong with realtors. I are one, right? I'm a, I am a realtor. And I'm here to tell you that if you call up and gauge my seller's, try to gauge my seller's motivation, I'm not going to tell you. Why? Because I'm certainly not going to give you a competitive advantage. I'm not going to put my seller in a position to where um, you may know something that you can use to lower the value when what you bring them. You're going to get nothing out of me. If I'm the listing agent, I'm here to tell you, that's just the reality. And if, and if that's not the case, well, you found yourself a, a, a realtor that's not very professional. A realtor has a fiduciary responsibility to protect their principal, to protect their client. And they're not authorized to share that information with you unless the seller clearly dictates to them that they can do that. In other words, you can't say, oh, my, my guy's desperate. In most cases, I mean, we can go into a big, long conversation about agency relationship, and that's not the purpose of this episode. In this episode, the purpose is to identify that you need to stay away from properties that are listed by a realtor. Just keep it simple and eliminate them all from the equation. I know that I do it sometimes, but I'm not out there looking to wholesale a property, okay? If I get a property under contract, 
I intend to buy it, first of all. I don't take properties under contract unless I personally intend to buy them. If I'm not going to buy them, it's not going under contract, period, end. So once we have that point clear, I'm going to go out and get something under contract. If it doesn't meet my criteria, then I will reach out to one of my friends that shares my criteria, maybe one of my students, could be a client of mine, and offer them the opportunity. Hey, Jimmy, I found this property. Um, I negotiated it to where I thought I needed it to be. Here's the problem. It's sitting on a sinkhole. I know that you don't like, I don't like, you know that I don't like sinkhole properties. I know you do. Let's see if we can get this thing. Uh, go ahead and give me a price that you'd pay for this. I'll negotiate it down for you based on the fact that it has a sinkhole and you can enjoy yourself because I don't like sinkhole properties. That's just me. That's a great example of something that might be a wholesale deal where I've already built the rapport with the seller. I've got the no like, and trust. And because I have that relationship, it makes sense for me to continue the negotiations for my investor buddy, right? And then in that case, I would put it under contract and then I would assign my rights in the contract over to my buddy. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Being on the, on the up and up when I'm having the conversation with the seller, I'm having that. I'm being honest with them. Hey, Mr. Seller, look, you know, we just found out this thing's got a sinkhole and, and I'll be honest with you. That scares me to death. Not my cup of tea. Here's the good news. My buddy, Jimmy, he buys these properties and my buddy, Jimmy said that he can buy it at X. We can still solve the problem. All everything else will be the same. The only thing that changes is the price. I know Jimmy's a good guy. Uh, if that works for you, let's go ahead and sign the contract. What I'm going to do, Mr. Seller, is assign my rights in the contract over to Jimmy. And here's the best part. I'm not going to charge you a real realtor fee. I'm going to make old Jimmy give me $5,000 to buy this deal. How's that sound? Yeah, that's great. Let's lock it up. Off we go, right? No big deal. Here's the thing, folks. Wholesalers should be skilled negotiators. If you are not good at negotiation, go to a garage sale and practice, do something. But, you know, Wholesalers are supposed to be skilled negotiators, yet many people think that all new investors should begin here. And I, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you should begin, if you want to be a buy and hold person, begin with being a buy and hold person. I don't think you should have to delay at all. You know, a lot of people told me when I started and I went directly out of the gate into multifamily on my second act back in real estate, right? They told me, well, you're crazy, Tyler. You should start with a single family house. Well, I don't want a single family house. I wanted a fourplex. So I went out and bought one. And people said, you don't have any experience. I said, well, how am I supposed to get experience if I don't buy one? Well, you should start at single family and work your way up. How does being a guy that owns a house prepare me to be a guy that owns a four-unit apartment building? I don't get it. What is this whole experience thing in ownership? If the house I live in, I got to pay a mortgage, right? I got to pay my water bill. And it would be nice if I keep it the yard mode and keep it maintained. That's my responsibility because I'm married to Jill Chef. That has nothing to do with being an investor. I have to keep my house in, a, in good condition and clean, neat, and tidy, or my wife will kill me. It's that simple. So I don't need to go ahead and buy a single-family house in order to prove to somebody that I, quote-unquote, know what I'm doing. It's a, that's a, that's a, it's a lark. I, don't, I have no idea what that makes no sense whatsoever. So somebody please explain to me why that advice is solid. If I want to buy an eight-unit apartment building, I'm going to go out and figure out how to buy an eight-unit apartment building. Here's what I need. I need an eight-unit apartment building, and I need money. 
The rest I can figure out or I can hire. I don't know how to manage an eight-unit apartment building, let's say. Well, good news, ladies and gentlemen. Good news, sports fans. You can hire a property manager that knows how to manage eight units. I don't know how to do a roof on an eight-unit building. I've got a ton of buildings that exceed far over eight units, and I don't know how to replace a roof. I, Tyler, do not know how to replace a roof. I did a roof a long time ago, but I've never done a roof on an apartment building. I don't want to know how to do a roof on an apartment building. Why? One, because I don't like manual labor. Two, because it's not the highest and best use of my time. Three, it's not something I'm good at. So why would I waste my time trying to lie to myself, thinking I'm going to save money, when in reality there are experts that do that for a living, and I will pay them to do it, because they know what they're doing they're better at than I am. They will do a better job of protecting my asset than I will. Okay, real simple. So wholesalers need to be skilled negotiators. Now, I used to think that same piece of advice, I'll be honest with you. I used to give people that piece of advice early on, that everybody should start as a wholesaler. Well, I started as a realtor, and I realized to be a good realtor, one that actually can live off their paycheck, you've got to get really good at negotiating as well. So same, same, right? I used to give that same piece of advice until I realized, ladies and gentlemen, what a colossal pain in the ass it is to do deals with or try to do deals with millions of wholesalers that are all offering way too much to sellers. They have no idea what they're doing. I don't want it. Nobody wants to go out and work with a new guy. People don't stand in line going, oh, pick me, pick me. Let me deal with the new guy. Oh, can I have the new guy? Oh, yeah, I want the guy with no experience. That'll be fun because, you know, I've got lots of time in my hands, right? Well, that never happens. So knowing that that never happens, let's just avoid that altogether and let's, shall we? And how about we just focus on something we can buy and keep, right? So a couple things I want to hit, a couple points I want to hit. Number one is when you hear the term JV or joint venture, you'll always hear JV. Very rarely we actually hear joint venture, mainly because half the time the new folks don't even know what JV means. They just say it because it sounds cool, like subject two. Yeah, I did a JV subject two, subject three, reverse negative, amateurized. Oh, shut up. You have no idea what you're even talking about. Let's be honest here, folks. Come on. You're just spewing uh, letters, calling them words. When you hear the term JV, a joint venture, just assume that the poor sucker who buys the property is simply going to overpay. That's really what that comes down to, folks. So if you're a wholesaler and some other schmuck tries to talk you into JV, I should, we're going to do a JV. Well, that means you guys are going to be sharing paychecks. It usually means that you really have to do a better job of negotiating with the seller or you're going to have to oversell it to the buyer and knock their heads off so that you two can eat. So how about you skip all that nonsense and just be direct to the seller, okay? JV means that one person supposedly has the deal or is direct to the seller, for lack of a better word, and the other quote-unquote JV partner is to find the buyer. You can compare this to a realtor buyer agent versus a listing agent, okay? Same thing. Here's the reality, though. When somebody tells me JV, that usually means that they don't have it under contract. They have no control whatsoever over the deal. They've never talked to the seller. They're never going to talk to the seller. 
And I've got some guy in my market that runs around these big multifamily properties, like $28 million, talking to these poor wholesalers that don't, don't know any better into going out and putting the word out for their quote-unquote private thing. They actually go so far to convince these kids to sign a non-disclosure, an NDA, that I assure you that they've never read, that probably basically says something along the lines of there's no promise of comp- compensation, blah, 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 blah. So they got these kids running around trying to sell these you know, $28 million deals, and it's all a lark. So they're wasting their time. What Really what they got these poor kids doing is building a buyer's list for somebody else. They just don't know the difference. They don't know what they're doing. Not good, not cool. Guys, if it seems too good to be true, I'm here to tell you it probably is. And no, as a wholesaler, you're not going to take down a $28 million deal when you've been doing this for an hour and a half. That's not how it works. You're not going to take down a million-dollar deal when, you, when you've been doing this for an hour and a half. Okay, I see these all the time. I'm part of a mentoring group. There's one, get one kid out there in the mentoring group. He was all you know, fat and sassy and cocky thinking he was going to take down a $250,000 assignment fee. Well, he fell flat on his face. He said, oh, I got this up, locked up under contract, and some multinational company is going to come in and write me a check for $250,000 to get out of the way. Uh, no. If you don't get out of the way on your own, they're going to spend 3500 on an attorney to sue the living hell out of your ass. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to write you $250,000 check. Quit smoking pot. Bad for you. Wholesalers should be finding properties for buyers, ladies and gentlemen. Properties for buyers, not buyers for properties. I'll say it again. Wholesalers should be finding properties for buyers, which means I am a buyer. I want property. You should be out looking for property for me based on my investor identity, which means you should intimately know my buying criteria. You should not be out shopping for any poor schlep that shows up thinking that you know the market and you know what everybody's going to buy because I'm here to tell you, you're wrong, especially when you're dealing with buy and hold investors. You want me to prove me right? Get a room of buy and hold investors together one by one. Ask them what their criteria is. You put 100 people in a room, you're going to get 100 different answers. So it's not possible for you to go out continually finding properties without having buyers in mind. And you'd probably say, well, I got so-and-so. You know, Tommy in my market does it. Yeah, Tommy may have been doing it for the last 12 to 18 months because people will buy anything that's not tied down. But I'm here to tell you that the market is changing, you see. market is shifting. And soon, that's not going to be the case. So old Tommy is going to be broke coming up real soon. Stay tuned. It'll happen. Wholesalers should be focused on solving problems for sellers, not creating new ones. Okay? I'll say it again. Wholesalers should be focused on solving problems for sellers, not creating new ones. Locking up properties and not finding buyers only serves to destroy the industry. Well, I'm new, I'm learning. Yes. Yet one of the things that you probably said in a survey I sent you when I was building the Mailbox Money Mastermind is that you you fear looking stupid. And when you commit to do something like buying a property that you don't have the money to buy, you don't really intend to buy, you're basically lying to the seller that you're going to buy it. And then, quote, unquote, these partners, which don't exist, they're not partners, they don't know you, you're going to put it on some bottom feeder Facebook group or Craigslist or something like that and hope some newbie that's got an hour and a half experience in the real estate business 
happens to have an IRA that they're just itching to get into the next flip so, you know, they can get rich quick, like they say in the news. That's all you got. What happens is you're going to fail and you're going to create new problems for the seller. Sellers already got issues. They've already got motivation. They've got reasons why they want to sell their real estate. And then you go out and tie their property up, not having any idea what you're doing or what you're talking about, not having a buyer that's committed, misrepresenting the facts on how things are playing out. You are making things worse on the seller. So please don't do that. That's not cool. Not at all. Locking up properties and not finding buyers only serves to destroy the industry, okay? Ohio recently got all over this problem. They made change laws, changes in laws. Other states are getting on, on suit. They're following suit, rather. You got the National Association of Realtors putting pressure on legislators to regulate what you wholesalers are doing. So start acting like professionals. If you start acting like professionals, people might leave you alone. But when you're acting a fool, people are not going to leave you alone. So go out there and, uh, and operate honestly and ethically. Don't say that you're going to buy something if you don't intend to buy it. If you're there negotiating for somebody else, say so. Be honest with people. There's nothing to hide. You don't have to live in the shadows. Okay? You don't, shouldn't have to feel guilty and hide from what's going on. Now, ARV is something I want to talk about, and this one is probably one of the biggest mistakes that, that makes investors fail, is they're absolutely guessing at ARV. ARV doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen. You know why it doesn't matter? ARV doesn't matter because you should be shopping for your buyer, and your buyer is the one that determines what ARV is. And for those of you who don't know, ARV means after-repaired value. So if you're buying for me, only I, I'm the only one that's going to dictate what the value is after it's been fixed up. Fixed up. And for me, I'm a multifamily guy. That ties to the income it generates. So ARV really is a made-up value. And I don't think that any buyer should ever trust this as being accurate because it is, it's basically a value assessed by the guy or girl that's selling you the thing. It's like don't trust the real, what the realtor says about market value. The realtor has no idea about market value. What a property is really truly worth is what, number one, number one, what somebody is willing to pay for it in its highest and best use. 99.9% .9 of wholesalers, and unfortunately most realtors, have no specific training or skill in valuing property, I'm here to tell you. They are guessing. They're using comps. Comps, where do comps come from? Comparable sales, which are comps, they come from somebody else's guess that somebody else agreed to. So if buyer A decides to buy a property that wholesaler A guessed at the price at, and he pays cash, that now creates a comp. So using comparable sales, ladies and gentlemen, is it a guarantee? If you are paying cash for a property, if you're savvy enough to have cash, then at least do yourself a favor and get an appraisal, please. Get an appraisal. So you're clear on aftermarket value or after-repaired value. I believe, this is my belief, I think cash buyers should consider themselves prey because they almost never seek an appraisal to confirm either future or current values. I can't begin to tell you how important this is. An appraisal costs a couple hundred bucks. And even an appraisal is not an exacting science. But at least it'll get you in the football field, right? Don't trust the realtors and don't trust the wholesalers 
to determine what your value is. Have an appraisal done. Because remember, even an appraisal is not an exacting science. And some of you may say, well, appraisals come in conservative. Well, if you're the buyer, isn't that just fan-damn-tastic? All the more reason to get an appraisal. Take that to the seller and put it in his pipe and tell him to smoke it. Hey, Mr. Seller, appraisal came in $20,000 less than what you think the value is. Well, guess what there, hotshot? I can't pay that $20,000 extra. Can't do it. I'm going through that right now, trying to buy an RV. See, RVs have a value guide, an ADA guide. Gives you an idea of what market value should be. There's one dealer in town that literally marks them up 300%. And people walk in there and pay for them. They pay three times what retail value is. Three times. Because there happens to be not a lot of them on the market right now. It's mind-blowing to me. Another thing, wholesalers and realtors often facilitate sales of properties riddled with title issues. What are title issues? When you buy a property, you're given a title, a deed. It has different names in different states, but usually it's, only title, it's always title or deed. When you get a house under contract, wholesalers, listen to me. Those of you that insist on being wholesalers, do your buyers, your future buyer a favor and immediately order a title search. Make sure with that you get a municipal lien search. Insist that any issues with the title be corrected prior to closing. Buyers, if you accept the property with title issues, you darn sure better be able to negotiate a discount to reflect that extra risk. See, the wholesalers normally don't do this, even the ones that know about it, because they don't really care about the condition of the title. All they care about is they get their assignment fee. Realtors are no different. All the realtors truly care about is they get their commission. They're not overly concerned about what goes on where. They, their answer to things are, don't worry, there's title insurance. Well, I got news for you. Title, title insurance comes with exceptions. That means those are things that the title insurance policy will not cover. It's kind of like driving a car when you're drunk. If you look at your insurance policy, there's an exception that says if you're a drunken idiot and driving a car and get in an accident, we're not going to give you any coverage because you're a drunken idiot. They have the same thing in title insurance. Hey, if you do a title search and find out there's something wrong with the title, and they tell you that you still buy the house, you're an idiot. Therefore, we're not going to cover you. That's really what it says. I mean, not word for word. That's my interpretation of it. But that's why you guys listen to the show, because I tell you like I see it, right? I'm not going to blow smoke up your skirt. Understand that an entire, this is my, my conclusion here, is you have to understand an entire service support industry exists purely to bleed wholesalers dry of every single penny they have. You don't need all kinds of fancy toys. You don't need a massive podio set up that costs you five grand. You don't need all these investor this and investor that and carrot and celery websites and all this other garbage, right? The best deals can be built by simply shaking hands and talking to people. Not that I'm against marketing. Obviously, I do a lot of it. But be smart with what you're doing and understand that there are predatory, predatory companies out there that are doing everything they can to compete for your attention and for every cent that comes in your wallet. And they know wholesalers sometimes will jump on things because it's a get-rich-quick. And, wow, we've got this fancy-dancy software. This thing analyzes deals for you. And it spits out everything on the other end, and you're great. Heck, this thing will even rehab the house for you. You take your iPad in the middle of this house 
And when you come back, poof, in 10 minutes, you go get a cheeseburger, and in 10 minutes, the whole house will be rehabbed. And you can even rehab it with our money that we'll give you for free if you sign up for this $19,000 program. Obviously, I'm embellishing a little bit there, guys and girls, but understand that this is the kind of ridiculousness that goes on, so don't get suckered into it. There is no tool, is no trick, is no secret to buy low, sell high. That simple, folks. We buy low, we sell high. Hey, it's worth a hundred grand. That means I'm going to buy it for, I don't know, 50 grand. Some of you are going, no, Tyler, it's 70% of value minus repairs. No, it's not. It's whatever my buyer will pay for it based on what they're going to do with it. That's what it's really, what the value is. We're not going to use that 70% of ARV minus repairs. Only a moron would do that. Because those are the people that wind up failing and leave a seller hanging. If you're out there leaving a seller hanging, as I said earlier in this episode, you are hurting people. You're not helping people. You are hurting people. This has not been a rant, folks. It may sound like a rant a little bit. Some of you may see it as a rant. But I feel it's important that you know this information. I think it's important that you understand the impact, both good and bad, that you can have on your local market. I hope that some of you that are out there wholesaling or make this your identity, so to speak, which makes me shake my head a couple times. I hope that you will take this episode as food for thought. I hope you will take this as some medicine to help you become a bigger, better investor. I want to see you all become buy and hold investors, each and every one of you. I want you to take steps towards achieving financial freedom. And lastly, you are never going to achieve financial freedom as a wholesaler. It's not possible. You are make, earning money at the highest allowable tax rate possible. The only person you're making rich or the only entity you're making rich is the U.S. federal government. So work smart, ladies and gentlemen. Work smart. I'm going to wrap it right there, folks. I hope you took away some, some nuggets from this. I hope you found this informational. We're doing some work on our YouTube channel. That's, that's going to be coming up a lot lately. Uh, we're putting a lot of effort into our YouTube channel. You're going to start seeing some changes there. So if you want to make sure, if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, which will help me considerably, um, head on over to cashflowguys.com forward slash TV, cashflowguys.com forward slash TV. That'll take you to the YouTube channel. And um, when you get over there, make sure you subscribe. You Or you can go on YouTube and just type in the word cash, the word flow, and the word guys. And you'll get right to my YouTube channel or type in my name, which I know most of you don't, can't spell because nobody can. That's all right. My point is get over to the YouTube channel, take in some of the content there. We're putting out all kinds of educational content. It is there for you. It is there to help you get better at this. It is there to help motivate you. Leave comments, leave reviews, leave questions. If there's particular topics you want me to create an instructional video about, please send me an email and let me know. Info at cashflowguys.com or you can go to the website cashflowguys.com fill out the info request just say Tyler please make a video on blank and I'll make a video on that topic for you okay any questions you have be specific in your questions I'd be happy to make a video for you to help you guys take things to the next level that's all for this week have a great one we'll talk to you later This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. 
Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.